Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, that is Eddie Vega. And that is Chibi Ordunia. And this is Words and Shit. Brought to you by The Blah Poetry Spot and Write Art Out. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Eddie, let me ask you. I feel like I always start that way. Eddie, let me ask you, but I got questions. I got things <laughs> on my mind. Um, ask away, ask away, Chibi. That's why I'm here. You've been doing a lot of virtual teaching. A lot. As of late. That's right. Since like via, March. Via... I think you told me you don't use Zoom. You use something else? Oh, we started with Zoom. Now we use Teams. Um, yeah. I know Teams back <laughs> in my corporate days. <laughs> teams is good. Uh, but as we all know, the internet is an unreliable place. That's right. Have, yeah. you, have you had any technical difficulties or oh. any sort of like, oh shit moments? And shit. what happened and how did you deal with it? <laughs> dropping with, dropping, a, a, the other day I had to... Uh, my my camera froze, right? And then my something was wrong with the mic, but I could I had to share my screen, so I shared the screen. But I entered the call through my phone, so that everything was kind of synced up. So they were hearing me, right? And they were seeing what was on my screen. But it was totally, it was just like a lot of quick thinking on my part. But I I got through it. And afterwards, I just had to like sit, relax. Maybe even have a drink or something off camera. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, those are my favorite from Zoom moments where you're like having a conversation. But then they. You're gone. Oh my God. Where are you? You're not there. The, wait, is Chibi? Chibi's gone. It's we gone. are here. We are here. <laughs> you know, and, and when you're having like a private conversation, you know, private Zoom meeting, these things happen. We all know. It's par for the course these days. And you just wait, right? You're just like, okay, I'm just going to wait. just wait. Back. Yeah. Somebody texts them. You move on. They'll come <laughs> back. <laughs> but when you're doing a live show on Facebook. That's right. And I, and I, I know some people, I'm, I'm not going to say who, who really get thrown off kilter when something is live, after they plan a lot. Some people plan a lot. And then when something like this happens, there is a certain uh, sense of urgency. Certain sense of urgency. Because there's no contingency plan for this. No. no. And I, I say this because we had a conversation with New Jersey poet uh, Big Mike, also known as the White Eddie Vega, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where I, there was a storm happening where he was from, and he just dropped out of the conversation entirely. And we are sitting there twiddling our thumbs live on Facebook, <laughs> hoping he comes <laughs> back. <laughs> but he came back on. So, you know, all that to say, you'll hear some of that in this conversation. Ne do not fear our faithful listeners. That's right. We will get through the conversation. We got through it. We got through it. We will get to the end. Let's jump in. I am so excited to bring on my uh, compatriot, I guess you could say, in the big world, Mr. Big Mike himself, <laughs> who is referred to as Big Mike on the stage and Mr. B in the classroom. He's been teaching for 25 years, uh, 25 plus years, currently a third grade teacher in New Jersey. He started performing spoken word poetry in 2002 and was a member of the 2005 New Yorkian Poetry Slam team. 
Mm -hmm. He's been on HBO's uh, Deaf Poetry, uh, hosted by Russell Simmons. And he was the 20, 2008 Southern Fried Individual Poetry Slam champion. Uh, he's also been the recipient of Jersey Poetry Movement Spoken Word Pioneer Award in 2018. He's partnered with organizations in his hometown of Rahway. They gave him the Artist of the Year Award in 2019, which was the same year where he released Said the Paper to the Pen, a collection of poems for teachers, students, or anyone that would like to take a peek inside his third grade classroom known as the Beehive. I've yeah. known Big Mike since 2017 when I saw him in Louisville, saw him on final stage at the Southern Fried in Louisville, uh, did a poem where, where he talks about a lot of things, but he ends it by saying, with cheese on it. <laughs> the, next day, the next day after that, and the next morning, I'm walking out of the hotel room, and one of the and 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 somebody who was there at that show turns to me and says, "Hey, man, I loved your poetry with cheese on it." <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Big Mike. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, yeah. all right. Let's have some fun, man. I'm I'm so ready. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm glad I, you're here. We were commenting on this, so it is. It's one of those things where yeah, I'm look. I've, if I just disappear. It's like I just need the brown, man. I just need the brown going here. One of you is the doppelganger of the other. You are either the the white doppelganger of Eddie, or Eddie is the Mexican doppelganger of you. But uh, I think maybe I'm the because you know he, he he's much more famous than I am. So I'm gonna say that <laughs> the Mexican version. Eddie, you're the you're you're the doppelganger. Yeah. yeah, this is even closer than like Vincent Cooper or <laughs> Edward. Like without it. Yeah, no. This I'm is just gonna start calling myself White Eddie Vega. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! Like black, like White Dante. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't stop doing that. All right, all right, all right. No, we are so excited to have you on here. We have no idea what this is gonna be because you are known to be quite um, unexpected. For lack of a better term, you know. I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on my best behavior. <laughs> no, we don't want is, that. This is is it because you have to? <laughs> no, is my it, wife's in the other room. She's not paying attention. I'm good to go, baby. She's not even go. watching. There you go. All right. That being said, let's start the show off the way we do every week and just hand the show over to you, sir. And please bless us with your poetry. Boom. For every president at every network, this is a public service announcement. I will not be exploited. I will not stand here. Take my shirt off. Step on your scale so you can devalue me. Tell me how proud you are, how far I've come. Make me cry. Pilates do not make you better than me. Fuck your abs. I am not your biggest loser. I will not. Dance my ass off for your enjoyment. I will not let you pity me. Let you feel sorry for me. Treat me like I can't find a damn date. Yes, there is more of me to love, but you will not paint me desperate. Losing weight is not a heroic act. It is a choice. So do not draw me as a deaf poet with a food addiction that writes to shed his pain because society has made it so difficult for me to shed my weight. I am not a food addict. I am just the guy that likes to eat a lot. I have no excuse. Wendy is my bitch. I love eating her. I will not tell you I have a thyroid problem. 
I will not tell you my metabolism is slow. I will not tell you I am husky, big bone, pleasantly plump, or just a tad bit round. See, I will not deny my size. I know the health risks. I am big, not brainless, and maybe, just maybe, I don't give a fuck. I know I sweat for no reason. I am always warm, strong winds can never knock me down, and I float, but I survive in the eye of the storm. See, it's easy to take advantage of this fat high school kid that wants to be made, the chubby girl that thinks princesses don't have asses this big. Fuck your fat camp. How many teenage girls have you destroyed? How many teenage boys are locked in their room eating ring dings wondering if they're ever going to get laid? From Maury to NBC, Fox to TLC, you want women to think it's beautiful to be a size zero, but you are wrong. Skinny chicks get swine flu first. And the cooties. Pass me the remote and give me your power. I said, pass me the remote, give me your power. I will inject Twinkie cream into the ass of every bony ass, bikini clad model slash muscle head ending their narcissistic ways. Fuck your mirrors. Just because we're fat doesn't mean we have low self-esteem. Just because we're fat doesn't mean we don't have any standards. It doesn't mean we automatically date other fat people. It doesn't mean we need the pity of your network. Fuck your ratings. I am not your butterball buffoon willing to put a Burger King count on my head, tie a box of Captain Crunch cereal around my neck and yell, chocolate cake. I am the most gangster Pillsbury Doughboy you will ever see. Try to poke my belly. Come on, just try to poke my belly and I will break your hand off, ball it up in a fist and knock your narcissistic condescending ass right the fuck out. And that's the truth with some cheese on it. All right, I need a break. I'm very winded now. <laughs> I need to get my cardio up. I need to get my cardio up. You know, that's the uh, poem that Eddie was talking about that I did at Final Stage at Southern Fried. Um, I do the same poem a lot at Southern Fried because um, new shit is overrated. So I stick to the old shit that got me to the dance, baby. And, um, you know, I'm a dad. I have a bunch of kids that I've raised. And, uh, you know, um, I'm an aspiring rapper. So, you know, all the dads out there, you have to have a plan. So I myself have a plan. It's a dad's plan. And in order to connect with my kids, I rewrote Drake's God's plan and made it Big Mike's dad's plan. Hopefully you can hear the music. If not, everybody knows the song God's Plan. Here we go. Uh-oh. Not a rapper. They don't listen, oh listen, oh listen, oh listen, oh listen to me. Here we go. I'm a parent who don't start no trouble with me. Why you always run and tell your mother on me? Now she's on the phone and now she cussing at me. Do your damn chores and stop fussing with me. I don't want to die this case, believe me. But I'll beat your ass if you don't listen to me. The stinking attitude, it don't mean nothing to me. Don't think for one sec you getting over on me. Come on, that's plan. That's plan. Yo, you better watch your tone, hey. Before I take away your phone, hey. Leave you in your room alone, hey. I'm the 
the one that's making sure you eat? Wendy's. You better show respect to me. But still, damn kids. Yo, these damn kids, they don't listen, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen to me. Nope. No, they don't. Damn kids. Yo, these damn kids, they don't listen, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen to me. Okay, here's tech verse. He said, I'm a gamer. I told him only partly. I disconnect the PS4. I made him play Atari. 20 dub on your test. Your teacher called me. 85 is what I want, son. I'm sorry. But you know me. Shutting shit down real quickly. Change your password to the weed feed. Leave you on an air mattress with no TV. Come on. That's when. That's when. Yo, you better watch your mouth. Hey, I pay the bills in this house. Hey, plus you know what I'm about. Hey, I'm the D to the D. Hey, don't give a damn if you like me. Hey, you gonna show respect to me. Hey, still. Damn kids. Yo, these damn kids, they don't listen, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen to me. Nope, 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 no, they don't. Damn kids. Yo, these damn kids, they don't listen, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen to me. Okay, that was it. That was the dad's plan. As you can see, um, definitely not a rapper. But that's for all the parents out there whose kids get on their goddamn nerves during quarantine. <sighs> Eddie told me I was going to be doing this much work, man. We got some gay rape. Here we go. So uh, the next poem I'm going to read is uh, these, uh, it's a poem from my book, Said the Paper to the Pen. So teaching season has begun. And, uh, you know, I've been teaching for... This will actually be my 26th year, and I've only taught second and third graders, and it is the greatest adventure ever. So shout out to all the teachers. Um, I know this is going to be the most difficult time with quarantine and online teaching and having to be creative with our lessons. So uh, hopefully this has inspires you to remember the real reasons why we teach because I know there's a lot of teacher bashing online saying we don't want to go to work, and that is not true. So this is for all the teachers out there. If you ask me 25 years ago why I became a teacher, I'd give you that standard student teacher fresh out of college. I love kids. Can I please have this job answer? But two districts, 75 observations, and 663 students later, I know the answer to the question, why do I teach? I teach because the future comedians need an audience and drama queens need a stage. I teach because I love snack and recess and I'm fighting to bring back nap time. I teach because in the eyes of my students, war is just a card game and the worst thing to be is it. I teach because it's way cooler to talk about SpongeBob SquarePants than it is the latest presidential tweet. I teach because I like to answer questions. Mr. B, why do you wear that same shirt all the time? I only have four shirts. Why do you only have four shirts? I have six kids. Why do you have six kids? 
man, take your math book out. I teach because homemade cupcakes are heaven and birthday smiles are priceless. I teach because every child is special and labels belong on the clearance rack. I teach because watching a student handle their pencil like a wand, transforming their print into cursive is magical. I teach because the corporate world is phony and kids are honest, too honest, but they love unconditionally. Where else can you have a bad day and still get a hug? Where else can you make up answers to questions you don't really know the answer to? And here, I have no choice but to smile. I wear a student-made necklace like a badge of honor and tape Crayola-scented pictures to my desk like they were paintings by Van Gogh. I teach because eight-year-olds have clay minds and I can shape them, shape them to believe that love is as simple as sharing your colored pencils and your rainbow goldfish. I teach because green eggs and ham are delicious and the web that Charlotte wove is way more significant to American society than how many different shades of gray there are. You figure that out. I'll teach the importance of friendship. I hate lesson plans, but I love planning lessons. I've acquired a taste for school lunches and look out my window praying for snow days. I teach because of Sophia. Every day she hugged me, she told me she loved me, and said, Mr. B, I never wanna leave third grade. This is the age of budget cuts, overcrowding, lost innocence, and dense ears. But from 8.30 to 2.55, I teach to leave a mark, have my students cemented in their hearts, and remember me forever. Thank you. It's like super weird reading to like no, like nobody, but I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, poem. Uh, and um, I've learned from teaching, it's more than just teaching the curriculum. Uh, as teachers, you know, we have to advocate for our students and we have to try to um, teach them to be social and appropriate. And um, we have to, especially in the younger grades, you're teaching them not to judge other people. And I think I've connected that into my real life on trying to make myself a good ally, especially in during times like this because the world is going crazy. And I think that's the beauty of uh, teaching third graders with me. I love having that innocence and molding them to be good people. Um, but I did write this poem, which I think is very relevant in times now, because as an ally, I hear a lot of ignorant shit that white folks say. So um, I wrote a poem called, Things I Often Have to Say to Other White People. And it's a list poem, because every poet has to have a list poem. It's in the poetry handbook. Things I often have to say to other white people. One, how are you gonna tell black folks to get over slavery talking about it was 400 years ago, but cry when they knock down your stupid ass Civil War participation statues. Every time you wave that Confederate flag, it screams out one thing, loser, two. Troubled equals white thug. Southern pride equals racist. What do you call a troubled white youth filled with Southern pride? A domestic terrorist. Three, are you telling me immigrants are taking all the jobs? Man, ain't nobody taking your goddamn job. How is it that Mexican has three jobs to support his family, but your 25-year-old son can't put down his PS4 controller to get one? Four, so if you don't see color and race is not an issue, 
Why you get so mad when they paint Jesus black? Well, they make Santa a brother. Why do you start online petitions when they turn your favorite fictional character into a person of color? Five, let me get this straight. Your team wins the championship and your idea of a celebration is flipping over cars, looting local businesses and burning the city down. But kneeling for the national anthem, that's completely disrespectful. Six, are you telling me Martin Luther King would be embarrassed by the Black Lives Matter movement? Really? Dr. King would be like arm in arm with Colin Kaepernick singing Childish Gambino's This Is America, moonwalking up and down Donald Trump's orange ash until every profiling ass police officer slash white supremacist senators held accountable for their actions. Seven, unless you are Sonic the Hedgehog or a goddamn Smurf, blue lives do not matter. There are no blue people here. Eight, yes. There is a white entertainment network. It's called the Hallmark Channel. And yes, there absolutely is a show called Whitish. I think you call it Friends. Or maybe it's Seinfeld. Nine. Whenever you say, I don't want to sound racist, but, or whisper the word, black, you sound extra racist with a side of Hellman's. Smothered in Miracle Whip. Ten. Liberty and justice for all is an American mirage. And if white guilt means empathetic, then I'm guilty as charged. Because you could wear a hoodie without getting shot in the back. And you could eat Skittles without getting shot in the back. Tell police that you're armed without getting shot while your kid sits in the back. Our skin is a privilege. We were born with it. It doesn't make our lives perfect. It doesn't mean we're lazy assholes or bad people. It means we were given a 25-point lead in Game 7 of the NBA Finals before tip-off, and we got the ref in our pocket. So just fucking acknowledge it. It's not personal, but keep your pale-ass point of view to yourself. Mind your goddamn business. Put your cell phone down. Shut the fuck up and just listen. 10B. And if you do get invited to the cookout, leave your macaroni and cheese and potato salad at home. Those are things I say to other white people. And that is my poetry set. Oh, whoa, I got cried. Applause, 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 applause. I am white Eddie Vega. That is my time. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, you know, usually when we have poets that do their thing, uh, I will walk around a little bit uh, because I'm off camera and I'll go, wow, that's good. Mm, mm. I have never laughed out loud so much during one of these little sets as I just did. First of all, secondly, even when you go serious, there's like some humor to it. it. It's wit. I guess we call it wit, you know. But it's oh, I appreciate that. You know, there, there, there's a lot of a lot of poets. Well, there's a lot of poetry out there that's dead serious. You know, um, and your yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not that guy to um, to uh, be dead serious. I, I try to bring something different to the table. But over the years, like I've wrote some really absurd shit over the years, and um, 
I think I've learned from especially Omar Holman, like he's kind of the master to me of combining humor and um, and seriousness. So uh, I've kind of tried to do that, especially with the last poem I did uh, to, you know, have it funny and a message at the same time. Oh man, the screen keeps going out and then come back in. <laughs> yeah. I feel like fat, fat, skinny, fat, skinny. <laughs> we, we experimenting, we're trying different things. I don't know. Look, I gotta ask you because the poetry community knows you as Big Mike. Yes. But the New Jersey school system and students know you as Mr. B. Yes. Are there two people? <laughs> are there two uh, personalities? Is are Mr. B and Big Mike two very different people? And if so, uh, tell us. I would say absolutely yes. I was actually thinking about the other day, I, I don't even know the, who the hell Mike Bertram is. I think Mike Bertram just sits on the couch and watches TV. But um, yeah, definitely when um, you know I'm on stage as Big Mike, I feel like it's my opportunity to say, you know, and be as crazy. I'm trying to center myself, man. There I go. Yeah, I, I feel like you know, as Big Mike, I can you know be the you know whatever, say whatever I want. But you know, Mr. B is uh, he's still got some issues, but you know, he's very lovable. <laughs> And, you know, he tries to uh, get these kids to, you know, do the right thing and be kind to each other. And I think that's what I try to preach, you know, first off in my classes, you know, be good people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it starts in the younger grades. Yeah. You know, and I'm, a very, I'm, I'm very lucky that I work in a very um, diverse school. school. Uh, not, the, not the town. The town isn't very diverse, but our part of town is like super diverse. So you know, talking about cultural differences and, and things like that with third graders, you know, it's amazing what they know already. So, uh, and I do a lot of it through poetry. So, you know, um, yeah, Mr. B is the uh, poetry guy. Yeah, <laughs> it shows in the comments, you're definitely loved. We've got a comment saying, you truly teach from the heart. Every student, teacher and parent is lucky to learn from you. Ah, nice, nice. So yeah, that's Shannon, we love her. We love you, she Mr. used to B. work with us and then she went and got a better job. Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. No, she taught second. She taught with me a couple of years. And now she's in fifth grade. She's a great teacher. Oh, now do you think that fifth grade is a promotion from second? Um, second grade. It depends. I don't know. It depends. I mean, if you, I was told when I first got the job, they're like, what grade do you teach? I was like, look, man, I just want to teach. And he's like, that's the perfect answer. Like, if you want to teach, you can adapt to any grade, you know. Mm -hmm. So I would say there's adjustments for each grade. Uh -huh. You know, um, I, I think I've been in the elementary so long because, you know, there's not a lot of males down there. Mm. Uh, oh, okay. You know, they, they need the big chubby guy around. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, so we just hired a new male teacher this year. And I'm actually going to work with him. He's going to be in third grade with me. But, uh, you know, I was the only male teacher in the district from K to four. Mm. Yeah. So that's that's crazy right there, you know. Now I teach the upper, the, the other spectrum. I teach high school seniors. So when, you know, most things to be culturally relevant, you know, or to, to like be relevant in the classroom, it's, uh, there's like TV shows, there's music, et cetera. That I gotta pay attention to, but it's really not that far off from adulthood. Yeah. What do you have to do to be relevant or to, to know what, to know that you're in the mind of a third grader 
Like, I would say, like, six years ago, I was the coolest. But now this YouTube shit, damn, man. Like, like they don't watch TV anymore, man. Like, so I'm like, yo, do you watch this show? They're like, nah, I, I'm, I'm on YouTube watching kids play video games of other games. I'm like, what, what kind of life is that, man? So, <laughs> watching Ray like, and his like, voice. I, I'm trying to figure out what these YouTubers, like, I have to say, like, last year, about eight of my kids had YouTube channels. So like I'm subscribing and seeing like one little girl had three thousand followers in my class. I was like, damn, I need to follow you to get some. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's like they they Advice. they watch YouTube all day, bro. I'm. But oh, no. I, it's harder. <laughs> but you know I'm hilarious, so. Did you're a funny guy. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I, but I think you're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're back. You're back. Are you back? Can you hear us? Are we good? I feel um, like I froze. Oh, no. We see you. Do you see us? Yes, we see you. I see you guys. Yeah. Can we you hear, hear you? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. All we, right. we, have a little, we have a little storm going on. so <laughs> Just a little one? <laughs> I'm a little fuzzy. We got a little... We got a little storm happening over here too in Texas right now. <laughs> More Louisiana. It's you know, for, yeah, further out. Our, yeah, our hearts right. go out to them. Let's talk about kids for a second because you got six kids. So, um, my wife and I, as soon as we got married, we uh, had to raise our nieces and nephews. Mm. Oh no! I think we're losing him. I think it's a storm. Oh no! What are we gonna do? We've never planned for this contingency. We really haven't. <laughs> oh, now we really lost him. Like, what do we do when we like when we lose one? Okay. Oh, we got him back. Am I back again? You're back. Yes. Clear. Yo, it's yeah. Asia Samson. He's sabotaging my interview, I man. It. I believe it. I Asia do. Samson is like some fucking hacker. He's sabotaging or Hensbo, somebody. <laughs> well, Roscoe, because it's his birthday, he he wants people to pay attention to him and not me. Uh huh. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Because you just name dropped a few people, and before we get onto the subject of your kids, you did a show recently called uh -huh. Daddy Issues. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of fun. Not, not as fetishized as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was you, Wally B, Roscoe Burnham, Asia Sampson, and Blues, right? Who are all poets and are all fathers. Right. Uh, and I just finished watching it uh, like an hour ago. And you're right. It was hella fun. It was a fantastic hour and a half of poetry and commentary. Can you talk a little bit about that show and why it meant so much to you? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, when we when we go down to Southern Fry, I met Blues in probably 2004. So, you know, we're like, we have the most experience with our kids, but we've kind of always talked and commiserated and told, you know, crazy stories. And then, you know, when Asia had his son, um, you know, he, him and Blues, I think, came up with the idea of daddy issues. And they just kind of, you know, we went with it from there after some discussions. But, you know, it's a great platform to discuss, you know, our side of what goes on you know, with fathers. And I think it's, it's just so important. And, you know, the backgrounds of all of us is different and diverse, you know, um, Mexican big Mike is going to be on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we have plans to do another one. Eddie's going to be in it. You yeah. know, just to get the point of views from, from everybody's story on how they raise kids. And, um, you know, so I took in a lot of stepkids, as I was saying before, you know, when my wife and I got married, 
you know, at one point we had nine kids in our house and I only have two children, my own, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, like Wally, um, has a daughter with disabilities and, you know, Roscoe has, um, you know, kids from two different families and, um, Luz has grandchildren. I have grandchildren. So, you know, it's just, it was great to kind of sit and talk and bond with, you know, poets and friends and, and, uh, you know, just talk about real issues. Yeah. I can't it, wait to do another one, you know, but you it, know, Asia's so busy doing all these big tours because he's the you know, quote unquote commentating on, you know, Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, uh-huh. Roscoe's on Amazon Wally ain't doing shit, so I ain't worried about Wally. <laughs> it was. It was a really humanizing experience to, like, watch y'all just talk real-life shit about, like, you know, like, being fathers, you know, like, in the experiences you all go through at different stages of fatherhood, you know, because to your point, uh, Asia's got a six-year-old and you've got grandchildren, right? <laughs> y'all are living yeah. very different experiences and have been through that. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it was hysterical. And that was the first time I saw you do your Drake cover. And I just have to ask, why? <laughs> it's my son's fault. I, I, I got to tell you, man. It's, communicate with my son is so hard. He's 18. Great, He's a great kid. But, you know, he just kind of gives me a lot of shit. So it's kind of like my way to get back at him. And, you know, <laughs> I run a youth slam down here. And I, I, I did it at the youth of it and uh-huh. oh man i felt so bad afterwards because his friends are all dancing with him like hey <laughs> it, so he it, comes home he's like i hate that stupid song i hate it i hate it i hate it now well, how about the parents how did the parents react oh man parents love that shit <laughs> parents uh, love it man it's, it's true man it's true it's all true T- take away these damn kids phones oh my yeah. god the Atari line. The Atari line got uh, Frank Hicks on here. You know, I saw mm-hmm. that. It got me too. Um, but yeah, do, do you do you ever encounter parents who have seen uh, your videos or who? Because uh, your your students probably wouldn't run into them. No, I, I honestly haven't. I mean, I had um, like the town newspaper and stuff like that. They wanted to write an article about me as you know doing deaf poetry and stuff. Like that. I was like, whoa, no, 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 no. So, so I, I'm pretty good at keeping it separate, which I want to keep it separate, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, I haven't run into too many parents. The, the ones that do know that I do adult things are very supportive. Um, but, you, you know, I, I do so much for the kids in town trying to get them to, you know, speak up for themselves. I think, you know, even if they found out, it's just, you know, kids don't want that or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, it's hard because, you know, as a teacher, you're also a human being. So you want to have fun and, and and do things and speak how you want to speak. And, um, you know, we're, we're monitored so much. Like, you really can't have your own Facebook. You have to kind of watch it constantly. You know, we're told, like, they can go into our Facebook and look at everything and, you know, just to be extra careful. And, you know, in a way I understand, but in a way it's also, it's difficult because, we're you know, we're held up here and we're not respected up here. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're held up to this standard, but, you know, they look at us, like, down here and then they, you know, they crap all over us, you know, when they can. And it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, especially I in, in, in America, in America, in America, I feel, um, I feel American parents don't value the teacher as much as, you know, parents from other countries. 
you know, I'll get I'll get um, letters from my Indian students, and it says to the respected Mr. Bertram and things like that. You know, whereas with the American kids, they're like, my kid, you know, doesn't do their homework because he had to play three hours of soccer, and I'm like, eh. so you know, it's it's different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's like which, customer service. <laughs> yeah, one of the more underappreciated uh, jobs that I think uh, are in this country. Uh, it leads me to wonder. So you've been you've been teaching for twenty five plus years mm. at this point. What are some of the standout moments that you have as a teacher that have kind of like <laughs> stuck with you through the years? <laughs> oh man. I don't, I don't, there's so many, man. Oh, man. I, I got, um, so, so I was in Irvington, which is the inner city here for a, a while. It's right next to Newark. So I did my first seven years there. And, um, you know, I had one kid told me he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was going to whoop my ass. <laughs> and uh, then he punched me in the face. And I was like, damn, this kid just punched me in the face. <laughs> so, so we didn't have security. So I, I brought him up to the office, right? And I kind of just like, you know, I was restraining him, and I kind of just, like, dropped him. And then he jetted and ran back to my room, and, and um, I'm like, damn, man, like, nobody's going to help me with this kid? Like, I just had another person in my room. So I get back in my room, and he's on my desk, and he's like, I'm going to take all your shit, man. I'm taking all I'm taking your stickers, your stamp pad. I'm taking everything. I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening? It was, like, my second-year teacher. So, uh, yeah, he told me he was so cold. He was so cold. <laughs> That's no, I mean, there's so many memories. And, uh, you know, one of my students, you know, he's 30 now. And, you know, I've kept in touch with him, you know, because his mom got really ill. So I made sure that he went to all the soccer practices and baseball. And, and you, know, I, you know, I kind of became a part of the family with them. And, uh, you know, he lives with me now. So I, I just have a lot of great moments watching kids grow. And, and uh, my favorite kids are probably I have special needs kids. So, you know. The kids on the spectrum are amazingly um, so honest. They'll just tell you how they feel, you know. Like one kid stopped class and I was eating an apple and everybody's like, he's like, hold on a second. Does everybody see Mr. Bertram's eating an apple and not a donut? We need to write this down. <laughs> <laughs> this is a it's, just, it's, it's just bonkers, man. Some of the things the uh, kids on the spectrum say. Mm. You know? And my... Um, my para was is a black woman. She she worked with me for a while, and one of the kids would call her sweet chocolate, and I just like, oh, I was just like sitting there shaking my head. So you know, with third graders, man, it's it's the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. Now, what what about um, Big Mike and his or Mr. B, first and second year teaching versus Mr. B now? What are some of the differences? Uh, I mean, patience, you know. You know, you know, I always tell teachers, and, I, and they get offended when, when they start, like, and they're good teachers at, like, the third year, and they get offended when I tell them, I'm like, you, you don't start to know what you do until, like, the 10th year. So, like, when you're in your, like, 9 and 10 year, like, you're hitting a stride, like, you know, like, you're LeBron MVP caliber, you know, you know what you're doing. Um, but your first few years, man, like you're, you're learning so much because they don't teach you shit in college. They don't teach you how to, you know, they don't teach you how to deal with behavior problems and, mm -hmm. and be creative with your lessons. It's, it's more just trying to get through it. So, I mean, it's just kind of constantly working and figuring out what, you know, what you do well. Mm -hmm. I, I realized early on I was I was pushed to do poetry. I didn't really like poetry. 
but my nephew, he was a good writer. So, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I started messing around with it just because I wanted him to keep writing. And then I found, you know, two really great mentors in education that showed me all the different ways I could use poetry. And, you know, I found my niche with that and I became really good at it. And, um, and I use it all over the classroom to mm-hmm. create experiences, have the kids bond with each other for public speaking, for writing. So, you know, it's just as a teacher, you have to find what you're really good at and excel at it and keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Now that's, I, Perfect segue because, okay, so a lot of my friends are teachers and I think back and it's like, when I was a kid, were my teachers this nasty and fucked up, you know, like, or is this just this generation right now that like, te- like that I'm getting <laughs> this like insight on what teachers are today. Uh, but then you have this book said the paper to the pen that is so kind of beautifully geared towards you know, like your community. Talk a little bit about your book. Oh. That one, yeah. Yeah, you know, so I, I actually just took a lot of the po- So, you know, when you're doing all these lessons, you have so many stories and poems. I just started, I'm a firm believer of, if you're going to tell your students to write, you should write with them. I, I don't I don't care what the teacher says. You, you, you should be, if you say, all right, you have 15 minutes of writing time. You should be writing something with them. And that's one of the biggest problems that teachers have. They, they're so worried about, oh, I'm not a good writer, this and that. Like, it's, the shit don't matter. Kids will, like, adore it anyway because you'll they'll see your example. So I, a lot of it I just did from my lessons writing with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I was trying to figure out what my audience was at first. I was like, do I want a kid's book or do I want a book for teachers? So I, I said, I, I want both. And, and I tried to put poem, poems in here that, you know, teachers would appreciate that they go through. And, and I wanted, you know, them to read it to, to their students. And, um, you know, it just kind of came out. And I have like a lot of personal, you know, I have had kids draw pictures for me. Like uh, my boy Logan, he drew up. <laughs> oh, my God. I've seen that. Explaining poems. <laughs> that I have, I have a page in here that's freaking <laughs> awesome. Uh, this is a, I found this in my desk, right? So somebody drew this picture and they wrote a poem in the thought bubble and it says, I like donuts and cookie. All that stuff is yummy to me, but I hate to eat fruit and vegetables. That is nasty. (laughs) So I put it in my book, but it's like, I took all those personal moments and, and you know how I teach Mm. and I put it in there. Like I'll rewrite a lot of poems. If I find a poem that I love, you know, I'll, I'll rewrite it. Like, you know, William Carlos Williams, I, I rewrite, um, this is just to say, mm-hmm. and I, and I use it as a lesson. So I put that in my book, um, Shel Silverstein's what if, and my buddy Rashid made a what if poem. I kind of combine it like to make it a hip hop version. Mm-hmm. So I try to use everything that I've learned in poetry, spoken word, and just, you know, the traditional style and, and combine it. But it's really, it's a fun book for, you know, kids and teachers. Mm-hmm. I think now, a lot of people have been asking me to do a lesson plan for it. I probably should have done that along with it, but <laughs> you know, it's, not it's, it's not too late, but it, it took me like 25 years to do this. I was lazy as hell. 
And everybody's now, like, when are you going to do your next book? I was like, this one took 25 years. <laughs> now, I went on and I saw your – because you have uh, Mr. B Poetry on uh, a YouTube channel and you have some of your lessons on there. Uh, the This is just to say and the what if ones are on there. I went on and watched them. And I think a lot of teachers now are having to convert to this like – pre-film your lessons, you know, like send these, these films out to your students, you know, from, you know, K through 12 and up into college, which is just like doing poetry to a screen is weird. I think teaching to a screen is weird, but you do it so effortlessly. It's, is the way that it came across in those, in those lesson videos, like, what, you know, they're funny, they're interactive and you just seem, you know, calm as a cucumber in it. Like, what's your secret? Man, that shit was hard as hell, Chibi. <laughs> it doesn't show. It was like, like when you're talking to a screen, you're like, what the hell? I feel, you feel like you're just rambling. So I eventually just did like 20 minutes and I, I chopped it down. And um, I was trying to do it like my daughter watches YouTube all day. And I, I was like, she was kind of like my editor. I'm like, how's this? She's like, that's boring. This is boring. So I was like, man. So I went on I went on Canva and I, I just started Googling transitions and how to drop in images because, you know, I'm thinking I want them to pay attention to the poem. But if I don't have any sparkles, with it, you know, they may not pay attention. to it. Because, again, yeah. it goes back to what I want. I want teachers to enjoy it, but I also want students to enjoy it. I, want, I, don't, I don't want just to do something for teachers. I don't want to just do something for students. I want there to be like a, a joint, you know, effort there. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I also have a lot of creative um, friends like, you know, Rob Hilton was in one of the videos um, and uh, Tony Jackson was in, you know, a video I did for Poem in Your Pocket Day. And, and you know, people like that, you know, they inspire me to, to keep making lessons. But I did get good feedback, which makes me feel good. And I know I have to do more <laughs> and I do have some ideas, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. I got to have to get better at it. Yeah. Someone, I need like an Asia in my life just to sit there helping edit it. <laughs> well, the sound effects and the and the animations were great. They they really were just the icing on the cake. Yeah, my favorite part is when I take the little YouTube clips and I just throw them in. I don't even know if that's legal or not. So, uh oh, well, speaking of that, actually, because someone is asking about uh, how you attribute um, poems to another poet, like the you talked about the William Carlos Williams stuff. Uh, do you think that that is, well, what's the difference between stealing and admiration and I guess attribution actually is what we're looking for? Um, so like if I was to do that all the time in my own work, I, I probably, you know, would, I always tell the kid the difference between inspired by, like you can read something and then write that same type of poem that's completely different. So this is just to say is, is one of the lessons, you know, I use because you know, with, with third graders, especially young writers, they have to see a good model. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'll show them this old model from William Carlos Williams. And I'm like, yo, he wrote this like however many years ago. And they'll be like, wow, that's a long time ago. And then I'll do my version of it. And I'm like, look, if I can do that and he can do that, then, then you could do that. So, you know, I hope it's not considered stealing. I would like to think it's more inspiration. And I always, you know, I always credit the people that, that uh, you know, I'm inspired by. But it, to me, it's like I, I need that model for these for these kids to learn how to write. 
You know what I mean? It's like yeah. a lot of times yeah. teachers, a lot of times teachers will be like, okay, now it's time to write. And the kids are like, oh, I don't know what to write. <laughs> you know, so if you, if you don't inspire them, if you don't read to them, if you don't show that you're excited, that you can find interesting snippets of, of words, and then you can do the same thing with them, then, you, you know, that model is it's so important. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I, I, I do have a, I do have a few in here um, that that I I model after. I know I've seen um, you know Jim Levelle is one of our uh, he's a guy here in San Antonio who's uh, one of our great poetry teachers in the community, and he has uh, poems by other poets, famous poems, and he'll just take out words, you know, and then have the kids fill in their own word or their own phrase. Yeah. You know, kind of like a Mad Lib, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. For poetry. Yeah, that, that's a good idea, too. So kind of like a jumping off point, but it always attributes the poet. It always attributes the original poem. Uh, and yeah. I think that's probably the key is if you use it, if you just say it's your own, that's one thing. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I always say it's inspired by or, or something like this. And he, like, yeah. even in a case where, you, you, know, um, you know, my one friend, in the back of my book, I have a, um, it's a poem called... I forget what it's called. So you want to be a poet? Like my, my buddy did the um, Mick Kumari. He was on the New Eureka team. Like he did he did a poem for adults. And I and I called him. I was like, Mick, I just want to rewrite your poem for kids. And he's like, Oh, I don't care, man. I was like, Cool. You know. So it's just like I don't really necessarily need it for me. I want it so these kids have a good model. Yeah. You know. And, and you know, I don't. It's not like I steal any of the lines or anything. I'm just like kind of looking at the the, the conceptual aspect so that they can s do something similar. Yeah, because it's really it's, it's really hard to to motivate the third graders. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, especially for youth, sometimes they just need something to like get the juices flowing, you know. Uh, yeah, and I yeah. use that, that same. This is just a safe poem in workshops all the time, and it's just kind of like it's yeah, it, that poem is perfect because it is like here's the structure A, B, and C, right? Now go create your own scenario and A, B, and C it, you know, and create your poem. It's, uh, I mean, if, if you think about what if from Shel Silverstein, it's just talking about repetition and questioning, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, we, we do the same, you know, same thing with that. Yeah. First of and all, I, great, great teachers and great poets steal from each other. I don't give a shit what anybody <laughs> says. You know what I'm saying? How many times do you see the same type of poem and, and tell me mm -hmm. I'm lying. Yeah. Well, you just said that we have to have a list poem. Yeah. My conversation with white people. One. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it is this idea of just like, I would, I would think, I would hope that, you know, the poets of yesteryear, you know, would be excited their, their work is being used to inspire new writers. Right. That's, I mean, that's just my belief. I don't know. That's my hope. That's the purpose of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, and I tell them like, you know, we're reading something that was a hundred years ago. No, you, you, also said, you also said new shit is overrated. God damn it. <laughs> shit is completely I mean, overrated, bro. Henzi <laughs> always messes with me about that. He's like, you're going to do the same poems from 2004? I'm like, hell fucking yeah, I am. That shit works. That's a 30, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amir Safi gives me shit. So just saying they like, like new so you bullshit for the features, all right? No, ain't nobody trying to slam with some new shit. <laughs> What's that? Ain't that... Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? <laughs> he gets accused of doing three poems a year or mm. writing like one poem every year. So that's what he's, I think that's what he's referring to. So he's in yeah, your camp. That, 
Jimmy, does that do they get you paid? That's all that matters. That is all that matters. <laughs> they ain't that the truth. Uh, now let me ask you. Let me ask you because, like I said, I went I went on your YouTube channel. I went on your webpage. I did some research, and I have to know what is the deal with Miss Lair. <laughs> All right, some context. So she was a new teacher. <laughs> some... She's a new teacher. Uh, uh, and she teaches second grade, and she's in the in the in the door. Uh, she's right next to me. So uh, yeah, like the first week of school, I'm like, I'm like, you better have your head on a swivel. I'm gonna torture you all year. So I, I must have scared that poor girl hundreds of times, hundreds of times. <laughs> Okay. I was curious. I was like, why her? Because it is. You, you just have this video of you just scaring her yes. over and over and over again. I have like two more. I have two more. <laughs> I caught like two more. Oh, Lord. No, it's, so it's let me tell you, on April Fool's Day, my principal, oh, no. he, he, uh, he, he got me, Miss uh, um, Lair, the union rep, and the superintendent on a on a on a Zoom call, and they were trying to make me feel like that I was about to get transferred because of my harassing her and always scaring her. So they're like, "What school do you want to go to?" And I was like, "Ha ha, April Fools!" I'm like, "You're not getting me. Stop it." <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it was she got a, li a little taste of retribution because I was starting to feel a little bad for her. Where I was like, "Oh." Someone needs to scare him. <laughs> you know, uh, when I was when I was in high school, there was a we had an English teacher uh, who told us about the great chain of being, and he said, you know, God, angel, man, human, plant, mineral, administrator, <laughs> and and I'm I, I guess how how what's it. You've been teaching 25 plus years. What's it like dealing with the different administrators? Is that, are, are they really, um, or I don't know, just what's it like? I mean, I, I know I've got my experiences, but, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to say too much because I want to get fired, but. <laughs> for, for sure, for sure. When I, when I was in Irvington, man, they had such a high turnover rate. We had like seven principals in like, in like six years. It was crazy. Man, things are, my stupid thing keeps coming. I've, I've been fortunate to have some very good principals. Um, yeah, it sounds like then I had one really, really horrible one, and you know she threatened to uh, get rid of me and stuff. And I looked at her one day. I was like, "I'm gonna be here longer than you because you're not very good at what you do." But yeah, I kind of teetered the line. Mm. Yeah, on? I get. Oh mm -hmm. man. For the most part, we got like 95%. Comcast We have a young uh, principal right now. He's Yeah, we have a really good principal now. Uh, but yeah, I only had one really nightmare of a, of a principal. She was really nice. Like I did a poetry open mic for, for um, the youth in, in the school. It was just for the school. It was like a grade three to four um, poetry club. We had uh, 200 parents there. And 50 kids participated. It was seamless. And we had a lot of kids. So the next day she wrote me up because I didn't do my lesson plans. I was like, man, you are so oh. So glad that nah. lady got fired. But she's not. <laughs> 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 
right. And I have heard that from other teachers in other places uh, around who say, uh, say to themselves, I'm going to outlast you <laughs> to, uh, to somebody who's kind of, you know, passing, just passing through uh, in some way. And, you know, teachers stay. Mm hmm. And Mike, Mike's staying in one place right now. <laughs> Mike is frozen right now. <laughs> let's see if let's see if we can get him back. Nicole never bothered him anyway. Oh Lord, <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit this out of the podcast for sure. <laughs> but on the live show, uh, it's a little different. I think it Comcast, Comcast. Now we totally lost him. We have lost him entirely. Folks, I am deeply sorry for Mike's terrible internet connection, but he is back. Yay! I swear, somebody's hacking me. Oh, Asia. <laughs> it's Either sorry. that or it's because I just told the inappropriate story about an administrator. To, the, oh. to, to those people who don't know, Asia is a person. Asia Samson. We are not saying... The country. That, that, <laughs> the, the, the is hacking us. We're not saying we've got Asian hackers. We have Asia the hacker. Asia <laughs> the hacker. I don't. I just did a uh, allyship poem. I don't want to be known as that dude right now. Uh -huh. <laughs> so let me ask you uh, while we have. Let me ask you one more question uh, because you've been in in teaching for like. 26 years uh and we Maybe every are, time you say that you're making me feel like i'm old as shit no you are wise sir you are wise and learned i feel like i'm about 60 god damn man learned you've been you've been teaching since you were seven years old uh so you are 32 right now after 25 years of teaching yes um and we are going through an unprecedented time in teaching right now um what is what is teaching in the pandemic been like and how are you kind of coping through it and going through it? Uh, it sucks because I like the classroom and I like to build a family atmosphere in the classroom. Um, but you know, we, this really sucks. Um, the one of the things I actually do like is you get to see the kids in their own environment and you know, that's pretty cool. You know, and it's interesting when a kid feels so comfortable with the class, he'll pop on his drawers and you're like, hey, man, you got to put some pants on. And he's like, but I don't want to wear pants, Mr. B. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm turning you off until you put some pants on, bro. <laughs> if I got to wear pants, you got to wear pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was kind of funny. Like, it was cute. And the kids were, I'm a good class. My kids just always got along because once you create that, environment they they're real they're friendly with each other they want to be around each other so i didn't have a problem with attendance or anything and the mm. kids that did disappear you know they would come back eventually and tell me what they were really doing <laughs> like you know I, I had my boy saw you know so he's the only one in his family that is fluent in english and he's got like three siblings he's got like five kittens he's got he was a he was a mess but like we we would make him stay there and you know he would disappear for like two hours. I'm like, so what happened? He's like, oh, I just went out to go catch some Pokemon and I figure I'll come back, you know, and then maybe I'll catch up with my work. I'm like, oh my God. So it's, <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, it's like stuff like that is awesome. Yeah, and, and then you have the kids like they, they do their attendance and they didn't ever come back. But Oh my gosh, yeah. This is going to be more challenging starting, starting the school year. I didn't start yet, so I don't know how it is with you, Eddie. But <clears throat> damn, I'm I'm 
sitting here thinking like, even getting eight-year-olds to log on the correct way and get them to their websites, I mean, I might, I might not make it. Mm. You know what I've noticed that it's- I made little, it in March. It's a little bit more strict now, I guess, than when we were in March, we were like, okay, they got a chicken like twice a week, you know, and et cetera. And then one of the things that was interesting is that you would take attendance at the end, at the end of the class, because you check their, uh, you, you, as you're shutting down, you notice that some of them, some of the cameras with no are, are shut off and they're hey, not I can't hear a word you're saying. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Mike, we're losing you again. No. Anyway, I, I'm sucks. saying my students are a lot it, right now. We're in synchronous learning. Uh, where the class has to meet at the same time, uh, where we don't just like mm. give it and broadcast it or uh, record a lesson and then have them pick it up later. Uh, we're all meeting at the same time. Uh, mm. And that's a little bit different. And I work at a private school. My students are in uniform uh, for at least the part uh, that we can see, like their they're, they're uniform top at least. <laughs> uh, but you're at an all girls school too, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, and they were told that, and it kind of like does give them a little bit more structure, I guess, because they're going to school. Mm -hmm. They're home, but they're going to school. Interesting. Um, and Dude, I would be so mad if I had to wear a uniform at home. <laughs> <laughs> right? Absolutely. I'm not checking not. To see, they have to wear ties normally. I'm not checking their tie. I'm not checking <laughs> their lanyard. I'm like, oh, man, you'd be such an asshole if you did that. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought about don't it. Don't tell me you're that guy, dude. Don't tell me like, oh, yeah, uniform infraction. <laughs> nah, nah, not right here. You know, not virtually. Absolutely not. Well, Mike, this has been a phenomenally entertaining and insightful conversation. Uh, yeah, so I appreciate it. I'm sorry for the bad internet connection. I don't know. These, these things happen. Make up for it, though. Well, but I got to tell you, you know, my playing background is really annoying. Like, I got this blue paint. Like, Chibi, you got all that sweet. You definitely look like you're from Texas, man. That is, that is amazing. Boom. Oh, and you got some. Yeah, you guys have cool backgrounds. <laughs> I got like a water cooler. Hey, at least. <laughs> You have a water cooler. I have a bar. We have priorities. You know, you have a pool at home. We don't have a pool at home. <laughs> oh my god! I got a brand new deck. Oh, it's the greatest thing ever. It's got lights on it. It's just Trex deck. I extended it. It's kind of like when you were telling me like you did a poem for your friend. You said my deck. That's how I feel. <laughs> Overcompensating. Now look at my deck. That was a private conversation. My deck is huge. <laughs> My deck is glowing. You should know nothing is private when it comes to Big there Mike. Is, there's a whole thread. I yeah. sit in the pool and I look at my I big glowing on. deck. Uh, deck, yes. Uh, you deck. Oh, no. yeah. Well, Mike, while we still have you, uh, will you do us the honor of closing us out with one more poem? For sure, for sure. And thank you for having me on. And my book is available on Amazon.com or you could um, – you know, just uh, message me. Go to my website uh, if you want to message me or DM me, Mike Bertram on Facebook. Uh, please do so, and I'll give you the details. But this last poem is not a Democratic poem. It is not a Republic, Republican poem, nor is it an extreme right or far left poem. This is a very simple, fuck Donald Trump if you voted for him poem. I mean, you say he's a horrible person, but you know your ass is going to vote for him again. Fuck you, poem. This is that. If you support the ideologies of a white supremacist, then yes, 
You are a racist poem and a homophobe and a xenophobe and Islamophobe and an anti-Semite and a fucking sexist two poem. This is that poem that states, there are no fine people that protect gun-toting Nazis. The fuck your 401k poem. Because if you care more about the economy than how people are treated, then you're just a piece of shit poem. It's that poem that asks, how do you hate immigrants when your pumpkin spice Cheeto dusted president married a fucking immigrant poem? It's because she's not brown poem, likes her pussy grab poem keeps her mouth shut and knows her role poem. Not like Kamala, not like Ayana, not like Alexandria AOC Cortez. How the hell are you gonna tell them to go back where they came from when they were born here poem? Dumbass shooting paper towels into the crowd like Steph Curry, but doesn't even know Puerto Rico was part of American poem. Creepy ass dad that acts like he wants to bone his daughter poem. If you are a woman and voted for Trump, I don't wanna hear shit about hashtag me too from you poem, stupid ass serving McDonald's at the White House poem, pass that bitch the straw so he can chug some Clorox poem, no fucking class poem, incompetent lying ass, narcissistic cyber bully, spoiled spite filled reality TV, illiterate ass with the vocabulary of a kindergartner poem, sorry to every kindergartner I just insulted in this poem, this is that poem that tells you to quit fake news whining and go suck at golf somewhere poem. Pussy ass bitch poem. Ain't nothing but Russia's bitch poem. Only cares about the opioid crisis cause that's a white people problem poem. Thoughts and prayers ain't stopping these mass shooting poems. Motherfucker, say the correct city when you address it, poem. Don't smile and give a thumbs up after a fucking massacre poem. Ego bigger than Bigly, so you know he doesn't give a fuck, poem. If Obama said one thing your boy has done, he would have been impeached after the first tweet, poem. Why the fuck is your president tweeting, poem? If you're going to tweet, at least spell check that shit, poem. So what y'all really need to do is y'all need to vote for Big Mike because he's an honest mother. Shut your mouth. If I were president, I treat teachers like pampered, overpaid athletes. Now coming into class, making $25.2 million, three-time teacher of the year with endorsement steals from Staples, Crayola, and the first ever teacher to have his face on a bottle of Elmer's glue, third grade teacher, Mr. B. And everyone would love me. Not because I teach their kids to read and write. Oh, hell no, because I'm rich. We don't need no education. Show me the money. If I were president, I wouldn't build a fucking ball. I tackle the real issues like ATM fees. No longer do you have to pay to take out your own damn money. And how about a new holiday for you, the people like slap the shit out of your boss day. Let your boss who know who really runs this mother loving company. So y'all need to vote for Big Mike. Because he's an honest mother, shut your mouth. If I were president, I would increase taxes. That's not cool. I'd introduce new ones, like the stupid tax. Doing that dumb shit that makes no sense will get your sorry ass taxed. If you're a white boy with a wave cap, you're taxed. If your rims cost more than your car, you're taxed. If you smoke weed and drink alcohol, but don't eat pork because it's bad for you, you're taxed. 
When you leave your Christmas lights up all year round, you're taxed. If you didn't know that the Affordable Health Care Act and Obamacare were the same goddamn thing, consider your dumbass taxed. And parents who frequently allow their kids to throw public temper tantrums and affectionately place them in a two-minute timeout will be heavily fined. Discipline that kid's ass. I ain't saying to kill him. Pop that little mother hunger. Let them know who the boss is. And what the hell is a timeout anyway? This ain't no damn game. Start disciplining your kids now. So forget the bullshit. The alternative fact lies. 2020, Big Mike, an honest mother, shut your mouth. And I am tired as shit. <laughs> Big Mike, everybody. Big Mike. Even though you took out all of South Texas with that line about, they're all getting taxed because we all keep our Christmas lights up all year. <laughs> Don't talk about me like I'm not here. <laughs> Don't talk, people do, man. Don't talk about my parents that way. <laughs> now, yep. thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your poetry and sharing your story. This has been absolutely phenomenal. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Maybe. Again, I apologize for the internet connection. Oh, um, that's not you. It's not you. We're gonna blame uh, the man. Yeah, we're gonna go uh, blame Comcast and we're gonna try blame to get Verizon. <laughs> you know, if you want to get Big Mike's work uh, and not have to worry about internet connections, you can totally buy his book on MrBPoetry.com. So make sure you do go follow him, Mr. Poetry, if you want his. Tell like, your teacher friends, friends to go get some lessons. Yes, get yeah, facts, some- facts, super facts. He'll yep. also be your school. Mr. B. Yeah, I can do Zoom visits. If I always tell teachers if they if they want to do like a little author visit with the kids, try to you know have the um, you know the kids some kids buy books and I'll do it for free. I could care less. There you I'll go. Do it during my prep. Mr. And if B. you guys are ever in the Northeast area, please come to what's the word on Cherry Street. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chibi, you were up this way, but you know I didn't get a chance to connect with you. I, I, I was I was gonna time. be up this way, up that way this summer, and then the world shut down. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's what happened. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Yes, uh, you would really enjoy the Jersey treatment. We are a different breed of slam team. So. Mm, I've I've seen y'all. Yes, you are. It's fantastic. Yes. It's absolutely- uh, as I like to tell Flo Mentals, we are the Buffalo Bills of the Southern Fried. We can get to the championship game, but never win. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Well, hopefully we will see you in the new world when the world opens up again. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Mike, thank for joining us. All right, guys. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You know, I think uh, Big Mike there blessed us with a with a double feature in that last poem. I feel like he did two poems and like meshed them into no, one. No, I wasn't gonna say anything, but yeah, that seemed like a... he slid a second poem into his last yeah. set. And you know what? Next week we have another double feature. Uh, feature. We've got two of our so fried friends. Uh, we've got uh, Adam Hensy, aka Hensbo, Doctor Hensbo, Doctor Hensbo. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody knows his real name, but we call him Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> Two Southern Fried legends will be coming on to share some of their work and talk about their lives. We are so excited to bring them on. That's going to be happening next week here on Words and Shit. So thank you guys for following, for joining us tonight. 
Make sure you follow the Blah Poetry Spot on Facebook. Make sure you follow Write Art Out on Instagram. And you can now catch all of our past episodes on our podcasts, which are available. Podcast. That's right. Which are available wherever you get your podcasts. If you do listen to our podcast, like, subscribe, comment, do what you got to do so that we can get it out there and more people can listen to these amazing conversations. Until next time, that was Eddie Vega. And that's Chigordunia. And this has been Words. And shit. Stay safe, y'all. Good night. <laughs>